Welcome to the Keeping Kids Safe podcast. My name is Karen Cohn. I am the co-founder of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety. This is your number one resource for all things related to your child's emotional, physical, and social well-being. Now I'd like to introduce my co-host and my friend, the executive director of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety, Megan Ferraro. Thanks, Karen. It's so great to be with you today. And I'm really excited because this week we are going to be giving parents great tips on childproofing the home. It's so important and one of those things that can be easily overlooked. So one of the things that I was thinking about is I know that you just brought Charles home from the hospital not too long ago and you had to safe sleep him or, you know, keep him safe while he was sleeping. And I know that that's changed even since I had babies. And so why don't you tell our listeners about that? Sure. So about a year ago, I brought um, Charles home from the hospital. He was born five weeks early, so we were not totally ready for him to arrive. Um, But because he, you know, as our fifth child, we had all this, you know, we had everything we needed at the house. Um, but it was just washing the sheets and making sure that everything was freshened up uh, for his early arrival. Um, and so what does safe sleep look like? Um, for us in our house, we are a family that swaddles our kids. So lots of swaddling for him, but in um, in swaddles that actually Velcro closed. Uh, with our first, we use those thin muslin blankets to swaddle our oldest child, William, but we found that he was getting loose and the swad- the muslin cloth was kind of coming apart and it never was over his face, thank God, but it certainly could easily have been. So um, ever since we had Will, we've been using Velcro swaddles that really are super secure and the babies cannot really break free or if they do, just their little hand is peeking out. So cute. Um, so for Charles, we had to keep him tightly swaddled because he needed that security of feeling like he was still in my belly. So when you're swaddling him, you're swaddling his arms within that, not taking his arms out. Correct. So keeping his arm, like a straitjacket. Right. (laughs) Um, And I think that they actually recommend that you just swaddle the arms, not the legs. They want the hips and the legs to be able to move freely for actual um, hip development. So really just swaddling the arms tightly to his side um, and putting him in either a bassinet or his crib alone. Right. Uh, with nothing else in that crib. No bumpers on the crib, no loose blankets or toys. So just him on his back by himself. Right. Which I think that was really only the case for Sydney, my daughter Sydney, when she was born. And she's almost 14. So for my other kids, we definitely had the bumpers in the crib. And I think we even had some toys, which now you can't do. But of course, it was back to sleep, though. Sure, yes. Um, It's so funny. You know, my mom or my my, uh, grandmother would tell me, if you just put them on their belly, they will sleep more easily. And man, was that a tempting offer (laughs) because you knew that the pressure of them sleeping on their belly would help reduce gas and discomfort in their stomach, but... Really, um, one of my biggest fears as a parent was SIDS. And so I was really nuts about it and researched a ton and saw what was happening in other countries. Um, I think it's Finland where they send new moms home from the hospital with a cardboard box 
Um, uh, and it's filled with baby supplies, but they actually want the baby to sleep in that box. Oh, wow. Um, because it's, you know, with the lid off, obviously, there's plenty of air circulation, um, but there's nothing else that can go in there except the baby. Um, and so you, I learned a ton about the types of mattresses babies should sleep on. And there are certain states, actually, that have outlawed the sale of bumpers. So you, if I were to place an order for a crib bumper from Pottery Barn and send it to a friend in Illinois, the sale wouldn't go through. So you actually cannot ship a crib bumper to the state of Illinois. Oh, wow. Which is pretty interesting. That's actually great. Yeah. Really great that the standards have gotten that far along that they're not allowing that. It's pretty, pretty incredible when you think about like, you know, where education meets advocacy. That's a great example. So, yeah, so that is just one of the topics, but there are so many others. And, of course, because we are coming from a place of water safety and drowning prevention, there's there's so much that we feel like we need to do around childproofing for that, too. And so I think one of the other things that's really important before we get to that is even just covering your plugs in your house and even putting a gate at the top of the stairs, the bottom of the stairs, around your fireplace. There's so much that we have to be thinking about. Truly. And actually, Charles has somehow become an expert at pulling the electrical outlet covers off. So we've had to go out and buy new electrical outlet covers that have a two-step to, to removing them from the, from the actual plug. It is oh, wow. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I walked into his room one day and found the outlet cover um, pulled out. And I was like, who did this? And I put it back in, and the next day it was out again. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he's doing this. I cannot believe oh it. Oh, my gosh. So what does yeah. the two-step have require? You have to, like, lift a flap, and then you can pull it out. Oh, wow. So he hasn't yeah. figured that out yet. Not yet. But Sounds like he will. Stay tuned. Probably, (laughs) probably. So, um, so that has been a challenge for us that we have figured it out for now, at least. Um, and the, the gates at the top of the stairs, um, is so critical along with the bottom of the stairs, but his favorite thing to do is to climb the stairs. It is all he wants to do all day is climb stairs. And it's so good for them, you know, developmentally, both physically and cognitively, just the alternating of arms and legs. So, I spend a lot of time just slowly walking behind him up the stairs and then having a heart attack as he tries to get back down the stairs. Right. So. <laughs> well, will he let you hold his hand as he's going down the stairs? Or will he just, well, he like, can't. turn around and go backwards so on he, his knees? He's Yeah, so he'll scoop back down. He can't walk just yet. Um, so he will scoop back down the stairs. Yeah. And it's so cute, but just terrifying. It is terrifying. <laughs> I actually, when we moved into our house, I had gates built in um, at the top of the stairs, and they're still there. Oh my gosh! That's now funny. they're just open. Do you use them? Do you there. have them? Clo- like, do you have them permanently opened, or do you still use them? No, they're permanently open. For a while, I used them for my dog. Oh, that's smart. Is your dog allowed on the second floor of your house? He is now. He wasn't when he was younger, but then when my niece, Liza, who you know, came to live with us, she sort of brought him upstairs, and now he comes up all the time, which is fine. We love having him up there. (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> he's old enough That's where good. it's fine if he's there. Right. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing that I have, you know, obviously we've always been so careful about cleaning supplies and, and you know, safety around detergent and things like that. Um, but you know, really making sure that I have child locks on all of the cabinets in the kitchen um, because much like the electrical outlet covers, Charles is opening up all the cabinets, all the drawers. And so as much of a pain as it is, um, you know, they have those magnetic safety locks now, which are so much more convenient and easy to operate than the kind that we had when William was a baby, right? Where you had to like press the button, pull the thing. It was... That was the worst. Yeah, those were the um, ones that I had. Yeah. Yeah. So now they have magnets that you just wave another magnet in front of it and it unlocks and it's it's so much easier to operate, thank God. Um, but he is just determined to open up that um, cabinet underneath the sink where I have cleaning supplies and I'm just, you know, fortunately it's a really strong magnet, but there's no taking your eyes off of this kid. And the other thing is, too, it was such an issue with the cleaning pods and the laundry detergent pods, and those are really dangerous. But I use those all the time in my dishwasher. Yes. I use them in my dishwasher as well. I don't use them um, in my laundry, however. I don't either. So, um, but it is true. They do look like candy. It's kind of incredible. Yeah, the colors. They're definitely They're inviting. so bright. They are. They're so vibrant. Um, so really just keeping all of that locked up and away and trying to make sure that, you know, there's a lot of direction around no, no, no when he goes near that cabinet because he's going to have to learn somehow. Right. And then the also what's so important is having the latches on your toilets. Yes, because that's another, you know, he um, is so fast at crawling now. And so his favorite thing to do is to scoot down into the mudroom where we have a powder room, the laundry, and then obviously all the shoes and coats and backpacks. And that is his favorite place to be. And he just wants to explore all of it. Um, So constantly ensuring that toilet is latched and the bathroom door is closed and trying to remind the kids 17,000 times a day to please close the bathroom door behind you. So I'm like a broken record. Yeah. (laughs) And then do you still find it open? Of course I do. (laughs) Of course I do. I'm still dealing with that now where I want the bathroom door closed, lights off, and sure enough, there it is, wide open. They must be really thinking deep thoughts and figuring out how to solve the world. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that's the case. I definitely hope that's the case. (laughs) Oh, um, so yeah, we are constantly thinking about childproofing, constantly thinking about safety. Um, Looking forward to the day where he starts to understand the concept of no a little bit more. um, Because right now I'm seeing him like reach for the leaf on a plant so that he can try to eat it. And I'm like, no. And he doesn't even recognize that no means I should stop. So by the time I get to him, like the leaf of the plant is almost in his mouth. So that is going to be a helpful developmental stage once it hits. Yes. Because <laughs> that's dangerous. They can really be it toxic, is. some plants. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then of course, there's the choking hazards 
and we want to make sure that they can't, they don't have access to one of the things is the button batteries that they can choke on. And so do you have like a battery drawer in your house? Cause I do in mine. Yes. So we have a battery drawer and what I actually did was my husband also had some batteries in a section of my kitchen that just to replace for toys or flashlights. So I actually got him a case that, that kind of locks closed um, with different slots for each battery. And he's so organized and OCD that it was like his favorite Christmas gift. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so we do have that. Um, The other thing I was thinking about and that has actually been a challenge for us, though the kids I will say have been great about it are the little Legos. So the little toys that the, you know, Teddy and William and Millie play with, um, or Millie's, she has these awful dolls. They're called LOL dolls. And they have these teeny tiny little shoes and bows, um, similar to probably what your kids played with Polly Pockets, um, except they are not dressed very appropriately, um, these LOL dolls. And so trying to make sure that those are kept in their bedrooms and away from Charles has been a challenge, but the kids really do try a lot. So that's been, that has been, you know, uh, you know, another one of those. And the other thing, and this is so gross, he will crawl around the kitchen and like pick up little crumbs of food that they drop and try to get away with eating them. Oh my gosh. He'll like, oh, it's the worst. But so we're just constantly trying to keep the kitchen floors super clean after every meal because my children are like, (laughs) my children are like, like savages. They can't keep food on their plates or in their mouths. They're inevitably dropped all over the floor. It's so gross. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, I bet if he's eating them, he's building his immune system. (laughs) Right. Well, thank God, because he has gone nowhere in the last year. Right. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And then one of the things that, of course, we always equate our water safety to is having a water safety plan for the family, but first and foremost, also having a fire safety plan. Yes. So, you know, with my kids... um, we do talk a lot about fire safety and uh, their schools obviously talk a lot about fire safety as I'm sure many schools do. Um, But what my husband has done is he puts a calendar reminder in his phone. It's just recurring every month. And so once a month he goes through the entire house and tests all the smoke alarms, all the carbon monoxide detectors. Um, And it's so loud, but I am so very grateful for him making sure that happens every week or every month rather. And so You know, for those of you at home, if you don't have that calendar reminder, set it and just once a month go through your house and make sure that they're all operating and functioning correctly. That's such a great idea. Really smart to do. Yeah. And then talking to your kids about where to go if there's a fire or how to get out of their bedroom safely or what neighbor's house they're going to run to um, in case of a fire and really making sure that they know, you know, as we're teaching Charles that the stove is hot and not to touch it. Um, but we do use that model in our Zach camps when we talk to kids about much like I think all of them have created fire safety plans. We ask them to ask their parents to create a water safety plan so that when they're at the beach or the lake or a river or a pool, that they remember to create that water safety plan before they go to the pool so that they know 
the child knows who is in charge, which parent is in charge, and the parents really have an understanding of what it means to take your child to the water, that it's meant to be a lot of fun, but that you really have to be vigilant about safety. And, you know, another piece of that puzzle is when you visit a pool with a lifeguard, yes, that lifeguard is there to keep your child and everyone else safe, but they are a layer of protection. They are not the layer of protection. You as a parent are primarily responsible for your child's safety and your eyes should never be off them when you are at the pool or beach or river or ocean or lake. <laughs> right. Because as we always talk about, we as parents, you know, we want to have some downtime too, but that is not the time to have a book with you to read or to be checking your phone. Your eyes need to be on your kids. Yeah, there's actually some really interesting um, initiatives happening throughout Australia where pools have decided to change their Wi-Fi password every day. So if you go to the same pool every day, you'll have to find a new Wi-Fi password. And those Wi-Fi passwords are something like, watch me instead of your phone. Um, and so it's really a way to, as the parents are typing that in, I'm sure they're feeling really guilty about activating their Wi-Fi and about the fact that they may be looking at their phone instead of relying on the lifeguard to watch their child. So, um, you know, I like to talk to parents about that and remind my friends when they are going to a pool or going on vacation that really, you know, um, they're probably so tired of me. <laughs> talking to them about this, but they're kind enough not to, not to let me know. Um, but really to talk about drowning prevention and water safety and layers of protection and vigilance. And that as parents, you know, hands on eyes on supervision, especially when you have really young kids like I do is critical when you're around water. Right. And so important that when, if you go with another family that you're not chatting with your friends that you're focused on the kids because that happens all the time as well. It does. It does. Or, you know, realistic things happen, right? You may say to your kid, get out of the pool and wait by the side while I take Billy in to go to the bathroom. Well, that's not enough, right? Because, you know, you can imagine a ball falls into the pool and that child wants to get that ball before, you know, there are so many circumstances. So those children need to either come into the house with you or you need to leave the pool area latch the gate behind you, and it doesn't get reopened until you re-enter the pool area. Um, and th- I mean, that's life, right? As a parent of four kids at home, I have so many different responsibilities that I'm juggling, so many different kids that need help going to the restroom or that need snacks or that are arguing with each other and being sent to timeout. So, you know, really it is an extra step that seems overwhelming and frustrating at times, but it is one that will keep your children safe. That's true. And as we always say, it's not a lack of supervision, it's a lapse in supervision. And so we have to remind, we hope that the people who are listening, just reminding parents and caregivers how important that is. Definitely. You know, one of the other things that I am hopefully um, a step or two behind you on is safety around alcohol and prescription medicine. And I imagine that once your kids hit the teenage years or before that even, you're starting to think about what that means in your home, whether that means securing the liquor cabinet or, you know, I don't, I don't, I really truly haven't even begun to think about it, but I'm curious what that means in your world. Yes. So really when my oldest, Jenna, was going into high school was when we started thinking about that. And so I 
have one place where I keep all of my liquor. And so it was basically I just had someone come and install a lock on it. And so it's a lock with a key. And so most of the time, though, Brian and I don't even know where the key is. (laughs) We're like, do you have the key? No. Do you have the key? Where is that key? So, um, so yeah, so we have, we locked it up when she was basically like going into ninth grade and it's still on there now, which is great because now Henry's going to be going into 11th grade actually, but, um, that is going to be an issue so far because he's so concerned with being an athlete and eating healthy, he is not really um, trying any alcohol yet. But, you know, you just never know when you have kids at your house. And as you know, in the last year, we haven't really had any gatherings where I've even had to worry about that. But I will soon. Sure. Or even when they have friends over, right? So Henry may be making really good decisions, but you can't rely that all of his friends are, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's all set. But then, you know, there isn't really a conversation around the prescription drugs. And I took it upon myself to, you know, I don't really have any in my house, but any that I did have, I took out and I just mm-hmm. lock them away. So the kids yeah. don't even know where they are. Good. That's good. That's smart. I mean... It's so sad to think that we have to have these conversations with our kids or even to think through it, but my gosh, the alternative is so much worse. And so, um, you know, I, you know, Will's 10, so I'm a couple of years away, but not many. So (laughs) we'll have to begin really thinking about that and having those conversations soon. Yeah. And it happens really fast. I'm sure. I'm sure the last 10 years have flown by, so I can only imagine what the next three or four will bring. I know. I was even just thinking about yesterday that I can't believe that I have a 21-year-old. And how did I get here? (laughs) I have a child who can legally drink. So she can access the liquor cabinet whenever she wants. (laughs) Right. Yeah, you have to tell her where the key is when she comes home for summer break. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, And so one of the other things that as a parent – has always been really important to us. Um, and I have educated my friends on our furniture tip overs and really trying to make sure that all of our furniture is secured to the wall and not only furniture, but also TVs, um, that, you know, if a child was able to climb up on a desk or on a, um, credenza that had a TV on top of it that, you know, that they can't pull that TV down. And, and I, Believe me when I when I tell you that it really happens so much more often than you would think, and it is deadly. Um, there are countless stories of parents who have been sound asleep and in the morning have gone into their kid's room to find their dresser has fallen on top of them. And so, you know, most of the furniture now when you buy it, it actually comes with a kit to secure the dresser to the wall. Um, so Pottery Barn, Ikea, all of these companies that sell children's furniture, they also include in the sale of that furniture um, some securing mechanisms. So when you are ordering new furniture for your child or when you're ordering nursery furniture for your baby, make sure that you are using those devices that secure the furniture to the wall to prevent those tip overs. Um, And not only that, but when you're um, installing, you know, window coverings, there are 
mechanisms that you can have put in place to prevent strangulation from from the cords, whether it's a blind or a Roman shade or whatever that has a cord to pull the blind up and down. There are many children who can become strangled by that cord. And so if you can find that mechanism um, and every every store that sells window covering sells this as well, it's probably an extra $10, $15 to have that installed on that window treatment. It will give you such peace of mind. Right. And then the other thing is just, just going back to securing your furniture from tipping over. There's also just, you know, we want to remind parents to not leave remotes or other things that the kids will be drawn to so that they try and climb on the furniture to get it. That's a great point. Actually, one of the things that we did because Charles was obsessed with the remote was we got an old remote, took the batteries out, and gave it to him so that he had his own remote to play with. That is very um, smart. And he, he doesn't know where the other ones are, but he feels like such a big boy crawling around and carrying his remote with him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so one of the other things that I wanted to bring up for older kids is that recently there was, there was in the news, um, there was a 16-year-old boy who actually purchased what he thought prescription, he was purchasing what he thought were prescription drugs on Snapchat. And it was laced with fentanyl. And he died of a drug overdose. And so that's something for older, for people with older kids to be thinking about. Because I didn't even know that that could be, that you could purchase drugs through social media. Yeah, I heard about that story, and I remember being so sad. Um, the mom really poured her heart out in some of the interviews that she did, if, it, if this is the same story. And she was talking about how difficult this pandemic and all of the social isolating has been for her child. And, you know, some of the depression that's popping up amongst teens especially that are so used to being incredibly social and spending so much time with their friends and they're now literally locked down at home with their parents um, and what a difficult time it must be to be going through something like this. It's very true. Yes. And that is the same story. So it's another thing to monitor, right? So once your kid gets a phone, it's, it's, um, obviously monitoring the amount of time they're spending on the phone, but then monitoring what they're doing on that phone. And I'm sure there are a million apps and devices that you can use to monitor that um, and really to ensure that things are being kept safe. There are probably keywords that you can utilize, but wow, what a, it sounds like that was a situation that um, those parents couldn't have done anything to stop. And that's so very sad. Yes, because Again, uh, it's so great that she is out there and so soon after losing her child to educate parents around this because, honestly, I had no idea that you could buy drugs through social media. No idea. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's so terrible. And Snapchat is that app where things disappear, you know, within 24 hours of the messages occurring. So you really have to be so on top of what your kids are doing. There's no... Just like for me, oh my gosh, this is <laughs> kind of scary. Just like for me right now, I can't take my eyes off of Charles for a moment. The same is true once they hit their teenage years, whereas I'm sitting back here thinking, okay, 
once they get a little bit older, it's going to get easier. Um, and I'm sure maybe physically it's easier, but it sounds like mentally it's a lot more demanding. Right. Because the problems are bigger. Right. Right. So, you know, that goes back to talking with your kids and eating dinner as a family and making sure that you're having these conversations. And while, yes, they're going to be fighting for their independence and you have to allow them to have that, you still need to be paying attention. Right. I know that has been one of the, you know, upsides to this pandemic and the lockdown, right, is the fact that we are having dinner together every night because there are no date nights and there are no getting together with girlfriends. So we have had every meal together for the last... <laughs> year and a couple of weeks. And it has, while it's been challenging at times, it's been really healthy. And so I imagine that's even more true once you have teenaged children and, you know, you're able to really influence a lot about what they're doing. Right. And of course it can still happen even if you are having dinner together and you are paying attention. So you can, you can do the best you can and of course, these things can still happen. Absolutely. It's incredible the amount of, of opportunities there are for kids to be injured, right? Um, so much of our lives are spent having fun with them, but there are all these steps that we take along the way to try to protect them. And some of them we know about, and some of them are complete surprises, right? Like drain safety. And so, you know, when you think about that you can, as you said, be doing your absolute best and something goes wrong. So, you know, to all of you parents out there who are struggling in the middle of this pandemic, know that at the end of the day, we are going to be, we're going to find gratitude for all of this time together we've had. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We are. There are, there are many silver linings. Yes. Sometimes they're a little hard to find. (laughs) Um, My sleep deprived self wishes that I had traveled a little bit this year. So I could have slept through the night and I could have, um, had dinner with my work colleagues and friends. Um, but, but at the end of the day, it's been a really good year for my kids. They've grown so much. They've actually gotten closer. I can't believe I'm saying that, but they're, they're probably arguing at least a little bit less than they were the year before. And it's <laughs> these forced friendships that they've had because they haven't had any other opportunities to make friends. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's one way to get them to stop fighting. <laughs> there you go. Yes. I know. I saw um, a story about a mom who, when her kids would argue, she would put them in one of her husband's t-shirts. And so both of their arms would go through one armhole and the other two arms would go through the other armhole and both of their heads would go through the head of the shirt. And they had to stay like that until they agreed to stop fighting. Oh, I like that. And I have threatened my kids to do that to them more than once. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Seems like a pretty genius way to uh, make them realize how lucky they are to have each other. That's true. (laughs) Well, thanks everyone for listening to us today. If you would, it would be so helpful if you would rate our podcast, subscribe and share it with your friends, your family and everyone in your community. I'm Megan Ferraro, Executive Director of the Zach Foundation. And I'm Karen Cohn, co-founder of the Zach Foundation. And we hope that you learn some interesting tips about childproofing your children when they're little and childproofing your children when they're older. Have a great day.